0: Good morning, Crossroads. Uh, Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration where we love celebrating Jesus more than I love the smell of the heaters coming on. That is awesome. Praise God for that. All right. Um, Although we do, we do love celebrating Jesus, something I do not love, hate it with a passion, and some of you guys are familiar with this, is when I have to stand up here, another Sunday morning and ask us to pray for another community that has been rocked by violence. Uh, And I'm sure you've all heard about the shootings in Oregon. And um, I'm just going to ask us to bow our heads and pray because I got a a note from one of the pastors there uh, that they shared with a group of us pastors and said, hey, um, this isn't something that's distant from most people because for most people it is. Uh, they have, uh, I think he said, uh, students from their church uh, that were attending uh, that school, and they had um, children, you know, parents who had children who were going there that are a part of their church, and I think it was literally, he said, 500 yards from his backyard, and he spent the entire night praying for all the police and the FBI and everyone as the you know, they were there all night long, and Something that he said specifically struck with me, and that was that a spirit of fear has gripped the community there. As you can imagine, if something like that were to happen here, because we would be wondering, are we safe? What's next? What's going on? So I'm going to ask you to just bow your heads as we pray. God, we thank you so much that um, amidst all of this tragedy, that you have united that community. And it was awesome to hear of the thousands of people that gathered to pray for one another, uh, to support families, and to just use this as tragic opportunity, as an opportunity to exalt your name. And, uh, Lord, we pray, we pray that that community, uh, Christian and non-Christian alike, whoever they are, would realize that there is a God who loves them, who wants to comfort them, who wants to give his peace to them and who wants to break and stop that spirit of fear. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church.
0: At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. We're continuing a discussion uh, that we've been having over the last couple of weeks about day to day struggles, workplace struggles, uh, financial struggles. Can you hit the mute on the other? Yeah, gr- great, thank you. Uh, uh, just, just everyday struggles and issues that people deal with, and um, we set our goal. We want to be able to have a brand new attitude, a brand new plan on how to overcome all of these old struggles. And we talked about women's struggles, which I have to admit, I may not have done the best at because I'm not a woman. Forgive me. Umbrella of grace. Uh, We talked about men's struggles, which I am a man. I think I nailed it pretty good. And all the women said amen. Uh, And then we talked about family struggles, about how... um, is what we said last week, if we don't deal with our family issues, then someone else has to deal with us. Because when we go out uh, with these issues boiling up inside of us, then when we go out to work or to other places, uh, we carry that with us. Uh, we looked at how uh, Abraham's son Isaac carried some of the struggles that they didn't resolve into his life and into his marriage. And our children carry them not just into school, but into their life. So um, very important that we you know, say, hey, God, how can we Uh, deal with these struggles, and we looked at what God says about families, Uh, but sometimes the struggles are not just because I'm a man, or I'm a woman, or because I am in a family unit, Uh, sometimes there are struggles that we deal with just because they're there. Uh, and, and some of you guys may have heard these words. I'm using the term struggles. Uh, sometimes we say that. Anyone ever hear? It's a biblical term. It's in the Bible. Trials and tribulations. Yeah, that we deal with day to day. Uh, there's also, uh, what's the other term? There's another term uh, that they use, strongholds. Anyone hear the strongholds? Yeah, that's in the Bible as well. The term we use today is issues. Anyone hear that? Yeah. We now Here's the thing. We all have issues. It's not that. I don't have issues and Larry does, which I'm glad he's back because I keep wanting to use him as examples, but the front row's empty. So it's not that I don't have issues and Larry does. I may have different issues. Than Larry, who may have different issues than Sharon, who may have different issues than Brandon or Geneva or whoever else. We all have issues. Some may be smaller, and we're carrying them, and we're dealing with them. Praise God for that. Some may be issues that we can't deal with, and then they come out in violent or explosive or uh, dangerous or harmful ways. Now, uh, here's the thing: the not the Apostle James, not the Apostle James, but James, the brother of Jesus Christ. He has some insight on personal uh, and internal issues and struggles. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at his life specifically because I said it's easier. It's great when we can turn to the Bible and say, thus saith the Lord. But it's better when we can turn to the Bible and see, this is how this person dealt with this struggle and how God helped them through it. Yeah, that's great because then God can help me too. Uh, So in a couple of weeks, we're going to look at his life specifically. But in his uh, letter or book, as we call it, the book of James, uh, and I'm going to put this up here, um, uh, here's what he writes. In James chapter 1, now this is the opening. This is is the beginning of his letter. It's not somewhere in chapter 3, 4 towards the end. He starts at the very beginning by saying, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when, by his own evil desire, he is dragged away and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Now, if you look in the King James Version, it says, Blessed is the man who perseveres uh, when tempted. Because the word for trial and the word for tempted are almost exactly the same. It's like one form of the word is used for one, one form of the word is used for the other. And so what people would think was, hey, if I'm going through it being tempted by something, that must be God, it must be okay, I can give in to this temptation, but that's not correct. Because one is a trial or a test, and the other one is a temptation. Now, a trial or a test is not necessarily a bad thing, unless it's according to like high school kids. According to the teacher, a trial or a test, a test is to evaluate whether you're ready to move on to the next level. That's a good thing, because if you pass the test, then you can move on. But if you don't pass the test, and that means you're not ready, you may need to go another round, you may need some more help, you're not prepared, because if you go to the next level before you're ready, You're going to fail. You're going to get hurt. You're not going to succeed. So what God does is God allows trials or tests to come into our life to determine and help evaluate whether we're ready to move on to the next level. Now, here's the key thing. The trial or test is not so that God knows. It's so that we know. God already knows whether we're ready or not. We don't know whether we're ready or not. But when you get on the other side of this trial or test that God has allowed into your life, you're like, praise God, I made it through that. God brought me through that, so I'm ready for whatever else God may bring on. So when you pass that trial or test and you get out of eighth grade, you're like, woo, I'm ready for ninth grade or tenth grade. By eleventh grade, you're ready to just quit, but you're ready to move on. Makes sense? Okay, all right. Now, he says, you will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those that love him. But when tempted, no one should say, God has tempted me, for God cannot be tempted by evil. Temptation is not a trial or test. Temptation does not come from God. And according to James, temptation is evil. God's not going to send anything evil your way. God's not going to try to tempt you or do anything that will pull you away from him. So when temptation comes, it's not from God. Now, the good thing is, and this is why I love James, he explains where it comes from and what it is. He says, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone, but each one is tempted by his own evil desire. If you look in a King James, it says lust. There's something in each one of us that tempts us, and the same thing that tempts me may not tempt you. And some people will look at me and say, wow, I cannot understand how you can waste money on gadgets and this, that, and the other. And back in the day, um, I'll admit it, I would skip a bill, like rent, electric, or whatever. I'll get to that later. If there was something gadgetry, computer upgrade that I wanted to buy, that was me. Now, you may look and say, what in the ham sandwich would make you skip a bill to buy something electronic? And I would look at someone else and say, what in the ham sandwich would make you skip a bill to to buy a car? Or what would make you sacrifice time with your family to put in three extra hours at work? And then if you take it to its extreme, when we look at like addictions and that kind of thing, because one person will look at another person and say, What in the world would make you sniff something up your nose? And they would look at another person and say, What would possess you to put a needle in your arm? I'm not putting a needle in my arm at gunpoint and have to restrain myself from going off on the nurses when they do it because I can't do needles. That's just, but that's me, and someone else has something that tempts them. You have something that tempts you. The same thing that tempts you might not tempt me, but we all have something that tempts us. And in most cases, we keep that thing in check. But when he says, when you're dragged away and enticed, then that desire, whatever it is that will tempt you, uh, that desire, once it's conceived, it gives birth to sin. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean it's sin, but it gives birth to it. That means it's sitting there ready, and once it gives birth to sin, once it's full grown, in other words, once I fully give over to the desire, then it gives birth to death because sin is death, and death is separation from God, and, and, and here's what happens. When we look at that, we look at some people, uh, and we say that I don't understand how that person can be tempted with this, or, or this person will be tempted with that, and everyone Every one of us has issues. Every one of us has something that if, if, if pushed the right way, if, if, if that, whatever that thing is, if it's grabbed, it's going to pull out of you and give birth to sin. It's going to make you, you know what, the person standing in line uh, and, 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 and waiting in the row that says 15 or less, you may stand there for hours and you may be patient. But as soon as you see the person put 20 things you'll lose it, and you'll snap, and there's a person who will sit in traffic for hours day after day after day going back and forth to work with no problem, but the moment somebody cuts you off, you'll snap, and you may stand, and the waitress can keep bringing you back the cold food, and you say, send it back again, and it comes back wrong, and you're fine with that, but then you look at the bill, and you're overcharged, and you will snap, because there's something in each of us that if, if, if it's grabbed right, it's going to be pulled out. And it's going to push us to the brink. And, and as we said last week, uh, most people don't have a good understanding of what issues are and what tempts us and, and what, what brings us um, to the point where we would do what other people would say are unthinkable. But as you also heard last week... Um, Rob, who many of you know, has said, hey, I want to come up and I want to share my testimony and my story and where I've been and the issues that have arisen in my life and what's pulled those out. But before he does that, uh, there's a little video I want to show you, so um, just take a look at this. I'm not who i used to be
1: I am redeemed
0: Amen. Now, before I ask Rob to come up, um, because it takes a lot uh, to stand in front of a group of people, some of who you know, some of who you don't, and share, here's my issues, and here's how I'm dealing with it. So, um, out of respect to Rob, what I'm going to ask to do is ask the tech team if you could stop the live stream, uh, just stop the live stream, uh, and I'll stop the video, out of respect to Rob, because he may want to share it with you, that doesn't mean he wants to share it with everyone in China. So, and we do have people from there watching. I have no idea why, but so I'm going to ask Rob to come up. If you guys would just give Rob a a hand. Okay. All right. All right. We'll, we'll we'll leave the video going then. All right. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to Rob, but I'm going to uh, leave him with one question, which which is kind of relevant and. Answer that as you will, and then go into whatever God's put on your heart to say. And that is, why do you? What 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 made you decide that? Yeah, I want. I, you know, we all have issues, but you want to share your struggle, your issue, with all of us. So, answer that, and then it's all yours. Uh, it,
1: again, my name is Robert. I'm an alcoholic. My reasoning is because, and it was amazing because. I know we're all hooked on well some of us are hooked on this Facebook thing, but uh there was a a post out there that said, Don't judge someone because they sin differently than you. We all sin. they're all the same level in God's eyes, right? I'm not happy with where I've been, but I'm happy where I'm going, so I'm not gonna be all downer debbie downer here, but uh what I handed out to you guys was j- literally it's not something that you need you can look at later. What it is, it is a we got this when I was in rehab for it is written from the addiction to the addict. The way the addiction is talking to you. It's grabbing a hold of you. Everybody here has some type of addiction. Shopping, eating, whatever. There's something my daughter's is the amount of Diet Coke she buys. <laughs> as silly as that sounds. But uh, you know, that's it's an addiction, you know, something that's taken our eyes off of God or something that's taken our eyes off of something else that should be higher in the priority list. And that's what I was doing. I'm gonna give you I'm gonna try to make this quick and I apologize, but uh, I wanna give you a little bit of insight on what I where where I came from. Again, my sobriety day today is, uh, is July 23rd, 2015, so I'm 73 days sober. <laughs> Thank you. <coughs> Just so you know, in church terms, this is called a testimony. But in AANA, any, any type of terms, it's called a lead or a share. It's the same thing. So if you ever hear that in conversation, it's the same type of thing. A little bit of background about me. Um, I don't have the typical addict background. My dad beat me. Mom was mean to me. You know, they were uh, drug addicts. I didn't. I was lucky. My parents were Christians, God-fearing Christians, still are to this day. Raised in a wonderful family. Raised in a wonderful area. Those of you that grew probably grew up in this area, grew up just like I did. You know, in a, you had a neighborhood where you all played together, you played wiffle ball, whatever, and you'd leave out in the morning. And if you didn't come home at lunch, y- your mom knew you were being fed somewhere. And then you get home for dinner. You know, you always were home for dad, From dad and mom had dinner on table. And then, you know, Lord knows if you're not home before the streetlights are on, you're in trouble. Uh, so you had to be home by the streetlights. So there were, there were things that we, we as children, um, we w- went by, you know, because that was expected of us. Don't want to get into what kids are doing today. I want to get into what's going on with me and where I came from. So I don't have that excuse, that excuse that I, w- I decided so bad, because I really did not. Um, that was my comfort zone. My comfort zone was in my neighborhood, my family. But outside of that, school, baseball, Cub Scouts, Boy Scouts, church, anywhere else. I was a nervous wreck. As a young child I spoke very hesitantly. I stuttered when I got nervous. I also had a speech impediment. My name was, wasn't Rob or Robbie Oaks. It was Wobby Oaks. So I was made fun of a lot being Wobby Oaks. And that's everything ever that's the way I spoke. Second grade, my second grade teacher, because of the way I spoke, told me I was stupid in front of everybody in class. And I believed it. She's a teacher. She, she's the one that we look up to, we're told. So, needless to say, I had that in my head that I was stupid. I didn't pick up fast enough. I was made fun of and beat up and whatnot. So, that year, Almost at the end of the year, well let's go backwards just a minute. My, my brother, Paul, who was four years older than me, I looked up to him. He was a god. He was a drummer. We, I would sit there in his first grade, and I'd study him, study what he was doing, what he was doing, what he was doing. For some reason, I picked up on that, but I couldn't pick up on school, wasn't confident. So at the end of the year, I went over to the music teacher. They were having a, a uh, like a talent show. I went over to the talent show t- to the teacher and I said, "Can I be in this?" And he—I wasn't even in music, so he was real apprehensive. But my brother, who was in music, said, "Let him. You'll be surprised. Let him do it." So I got up the talent show, second grade. Remember this? Second grade. However old that is, seven years old maybe. And to a record, those of you who remember records out there, 33, to a record, I played drums to the song "White Bot. Anybody knows the song "White Bot? <laughs> Yes. And literally, those that don't know, the whole drum line is literally. Lull, 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 lull. And yes, I was a trombone major as well, so that's why my tongue goes up. Anyways, um, but anyway, so, so I did that, and the applause when I was done gave me such a joy, ri- such a rise. I loved it. Somebody wasn't giving me a hassle about something I was doing, I was, I was, I was hooked. So in third grade, remember this now, as a year older, in third grade, I went to the principal, first day. And I heard that there was a speech therapist, and I wanted help. I wanted to learn how to speak correctly. And they did. They took me, and they taught me, and I was able to start. By fourth grade, I was speaking relatively normal, but I was still hesitant, still not confident myself. So at that point, you know, I, uh, I, ma- I made it through. But you've got to also remember my mentality. I'm like a bull in a china shop as a little kid. Mom would yell, Rob, dinner. I'd come running across the floor, running across that backyard, and I'd hit that pavement, and I'd smack my head on a fork. Literally, no kidding. Stitches five times on this side, four times on this time, within a year. They, I mean, yes, they thought... If CYS would be involved right now, I mean they would have really but the people at Homestead Hospital knew my mom by name. Barb, put him in one. Go ahead. They didn't even put my chart away. It was there literally there all the time. <laughs> it's not funny. It's true. <laughs> Anyhow. So needless to say, I would I, I would go through that. And uh so that's where my my pain started. You know, I was I would go through things instead of instead of just easing into things. So you know, at this point in time, you know, I, I, started, I started just getting through life, going through, going through music, learning the music, going and I loved it all through school. I uh, was able to excel in that, couldn't excel in anything else. But hey, I was thankful I have for having that. Now what you've got to re- also remember is I, al- um, I also was, again, still born in a china shop, breaking bones left and right. So that's where my need for pain medication started. I was never hooked on pain medication, but the alcohol tend to help me self-medicate as I got older. I uh, had my first beer when I was a senior in high school. Junior in high school, sorry. One beer. We were at Wesley's Bowling Alley. Anybody remembers that? Where the old uh, drive-in theater is. I mean, the, the old thea- where the theater is now behind Southland Shopping Center. We got busted. I had a half a beer and I got busted. Never drank again until I got to college. Now, in fourth grade, uh, back in fourth grade, backwards, I, I, uh, I got a nickname called Stokes. I had no idea why they gave me a nickname, but man, I didn't care. I was just thankful it wasn't something derogatory. So I thought. Needless to say, I got to college and found out that Stokes really meant Stupid Oaks. So I was being called Stupid Oaks behind my back for all those years and I didn't know. So I mean, when it comes to bones breaking, I mean, literally, I have uh, eighth grade, I dove into my four-foot swimming pool, broke my back. I, I literally, last night, we sat down and wrote all these things down, and I, I'm a, I broke my back, broke my collarbone, broke all the ribs off my sternum, bruised my heart, flailed my chest, punctured lung, broken tibia, plateau, two broken wrists at the same time, broken hand, and my teeth were knocked out. So all this trauma in my body... Tend to give me an excuse to self-medicate. Not a right thing to do. But went to college, self-medicated, got out of college, continued to self-medicate, you know. And uh, so at this point in time, sorry, you lose my train of thought. Um, I was, I, I, could, I couldn't control it. I had, I had 17 years ago, I, I. Had my mom and dad were trying to pray alcohol out of me, thinking that would work. I still had free will. We all have that. But I didn't realize that what I was doing, I was praying every day, but I wasn't I wasn't submitting and, and changing my ways. So I kept on doing it, kept on doing it. Had legal issues, first DUI, second DUI. Don't ever do that, guys. Um, but neither here nor there, I uh, I came to realize that after I last this past May, I got my third one, and I realized that something had to change. And I had to give you, I had to give a, a speech at work, and I couldn't even do it. I just went to my boss and said, I, I can't do it. I was shaking. And it was shaking from the alcohol. Right before I went into rehab, a typical day for me when I wasn't at work. You guys know from Pittsburgh, (coughs) with the mills, you can find a bar open at 7 a.m., believe it or not, pretty much anywhere. I go to a bar at 7 o'clock and I drink until 10. To this day, sorry, to 11, I cannot watch um, Price is Right because I always sat there and watched it and uh, let's make a deal then I'd go home and I would take a nap. Go to a different bar so this way people wouldn't see me, you know, there again, drink more. Go home, take a nap. Take out food for dinner. Go to another bar. This is all day. I couldn't control it. People said to me, why don't you just stop? It's a disease. I didn't believe that until I got to rehab. It is literally a disease. It is taking control of my body and my life, and I could not control it without help. God gave, me, put the rehabs here to help people, not to make you feel small. He taught those people to give me tools to use. And that's why every day I get up, I thank God that I woke up, because when I was in the midst of this, I didn't. I didn't want to wake up. There were times y'all saw me here. Then you didn't see me here for a long period of time. Then you saw me here. Obviously, that was the sober times I was here. So, needless (coughs) to say, I went to rehab. I got to tell you two stories about rehab that happened in rehab that totally made me realize 100% that I am, God bless you, I am not drinking anymore and I am dedicating my life to Christ. (coughs) There was another gentleman that was there who was a Christian. We spoke every once in a while early on. And he, uh, we talked about this one gentleman, another guy who had l- kidney problems all the time. Anybody else, anybody here had a kidney stone or knows somebody had a kidney stone? You know how painful they are, especially for the males. No offense, ma'am. <laughs> um, so needless to say, this guy was going through so much pain, didn't know what to, t- what to do. But if he left rehab, he'd have to start all over again. So me and this other gentleman went over to him and asked him one day, can we pray over you? He said he didn't believe, you know, because they they have what's called the higher power, because they can't say God, you know, it's politically correct. But two days later, after being in more pain, he said, would you try? So we did. We prayed over him back and forth. The middle of the night, the next morning, he passed that stone. I've contacted him, talked to him since then. We've been out of rehab. He's not had any more kidney problems in the last six weeks, and he usually would have it every three to four weeks. That's God, I truly believe that's God. Another gentleman named Jimmy came to us, heard about this, and came to us and said, "My wife's pregnant, and they say there's 80 percent chance the baby's going to be a Down syndrome baby. Would you pray over me?" He was non-believer, so we did. Before we left, we heard nothing. That's okay, God's time. We all know that. A couple weeks ago, I got an email from them saying that they said the the diagnosis was totally wrong and the baby's totally healthy. So I know there's something (laughs) with this, 100%. So alcoholism, addiction, is not just bad behavior. It might be at the beginning, but it's truly not once it gets a hold of you and grabs you. So. In closing, all I ask for you is to pray for me. I'm still p- going through pending legal issues. I pray that God f- gets me through this. But at this point, everything's a learning experience. And I'm doing my best to get through it. I appreciate Pastor Floyd and, and everyone here who's giv- welcomed me. Every time I came back, didn't question where you've been, what's going on. And I feel this is my family. I love you all very much. There's a prayer we say every day at AA. I'd like if we would put it up and I'd ask everyone to stand and pray with me, I'd really appreciate it. This is called the Serenity Prayer.
0: Before, uh, before we do this, let me, let me before we say this prayer together, uh, let me ask if I can get a couple of men to come down here, and we're going to say this prayer together So just come down here Sure
1: My husband and all these five years Praise oh, God Praise God Praise, praise God. God God is good
0: Praise God all So right. now as we say this prayer together um, you want to lead us in it Sure all right, God, God grant, grant us the serenity, us the serenity to, to accept the things we cannot change, change the courage to change the things we, things we can, and the, the wisdom, wisdom to know to the, the difference. difference. Amen. 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 God Amen. God Amen. You
1: Thank you for being in my life. Thank right.
0: you. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, I'm not going to ask the band to come up. I'm just going to ask everyone if you just bow your heads for a minute, and uh, we're just going to close in the time of prayer because the reality is That passage of scripture that we read, that wasn't to non-Christians. That was James writing to the church, acknowledging that we all have issues. So if you would just bow your head, God, we just ask that as we leave this place, that the words that Rob spoke would make us more aware, first and foremost, that we're not alone that we all have issues. We all have stuff that we're going through. We all have things that we're fighting to overcome. So first, that it would make us aware of that. Second, it would make us aware, as Rob said, that there is a God who is able to help us overcome these issues. And third, that we would know not to be judgmental of other people who are going through their own issues, but that we would come alongside them and be able to say, I'm here for you. I want to pray for you. And how can I help you through it? God, we thank you and we pray that we would be continue to be here for Rob as he goes through his journey. Uh, we're not making this statement to say that everyone needs to turn around and say, here's what I'm going through. But we pray that if there are people who do step up and say, here's what I'm going through, that we would step up and be the church and help them through it. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.